Hello and welcome back to Macabre for Mortals. I'm your host Claudia and this week we'll be covering some of the ghosts that haunt Brisbane. As from episode 3, most of you will know that I currently reside in Brisbane, Australia. All of the places that I mentioned in today's story I've personally been to very recently and I enjoy the history that is woven into all of these hauntings. I would just like to mention that these ghost stories that I'll be talking about today are quite recent and mainly linked to the time when white people took the land of Australia. I admit that I am quite ignorant to the stories from the Aboriginal people, but I will be doing my research, which will take a little bit longer to cover, and do an episode on their laws and hauntings in this future. The first story which I will be covering today is considered to be Brisbane's oldest ghost story, but really it's two ghost stories in one. So this is the story of the convict ghost and or Captain Logan's ghost. As many people will be aware, Britain used Australia as a country to send its convicts. This ranged from people who had committed murder to people who had stole a loaf of bread. Apparently, they thought that this was the best solution to send all their convicts to an island on the other side of the world because it would rid the country of its problems. My personal story to this part of history is that my dad did a little bit of digging in our family history. One of my great uncles lived in a small part of Cheshire in the UK called Hool. And in the time of the 1800s, there was a well-kept manor which our lord lived in called Hool Hall. My great uncle and some of his associates decided that because they did not have enough meat, that they would go and poach some pheasants off the grounds in Hool Hall. They consequently were found out by the groundskeeper and they beat him up so badly that he died from his injuries. One of the men involved went to the police and told them what happened. And my great uncle and one of the others involved were convicted of manslaughter and sent away to Australia for 15 years of hard labor. When his sentence had ended, however, he could not afford his ticket back to the UK where he had a wife and child. So he passed away in the land where I now live. Now to the story. This surrounds the most controversial figure in Brisbane City's early history, Captain Patrick Logan of His Majesty's 57th Regiment of Foot, commandment of the penal settlement at Morden Bay from 1825 to 1830. Logan was considered a man of vision and an able administrator who converted the dismal outpost he commanded into a well-organized and efficient colony. But Logan was not remembered for his good deeds, only his bad. His cruel treatment of the convicts at Morton Bay earned him the title, the Fell Tyrant, and made him the subject of one of Australia's best known folk songs, Morton Bay, which describes the horrific plight of the convicts under his rule. Misconduct earned them up to 300 lashes, and many died strapped to the flogging frame. Logan was feared and despised by the convicts, and the final verse of Morton Bay rejoices at his violent death. 
The captain was also a courageous explorer who made many journeys, sometimes alone, into the interior, surveying and mapping the wild terrain. It was while returning from one of these excursions, riding along the bush track, which is now what is now South Brisbane, that Logan met a ghost. The captain spotted a man in a convict's uniform a few yards in front of him, and thinking it was an escapee from the settlement, hailed him and ordered him to stop. Logan expected the figure to run, but to his surprise, it approached him, reached out a sinewy arm and grabbed one of his stirrups. Logan's horse took fright and reared. The captain lashed out with his riding crop, but the blow passed straight through the shadowy figure. He spurred his horse to a gallop, but the ghost clung on, floating effortlessly beside the terrified horse and rider. It was not until they were nearing the south bank of Brisbane River that the ghost suddenly let go and disappeared. Logan's fear may seem out of character for a ruthless man with an inquiring mind, but something else had unsettled him. Captain Logan had recognised the ghost. It was a convict called Stimson, who had been absconded and recaptured at that very spot where he had appeared and died while being flogged on the captain's orders exactly one month before. Logan met his own death while on another expedition. He set out with his Batman and five trusted convicts on the 9th of November, 1830, to map a creek west of the outpost at Limestone Hills, Ipswich. The party was stalked for most of its journey and attacked by hostile Aboriginals. But despite this apparent danger, Logan went off on his own on the 17th of October, planning to rejoin the party at a pre-arranged rendezvous at dusk. When he found he could not reach the spot before nightfall, Logan built a rough shelter and settled down for the night. In the early hours of the morning of the 18th, he was attacked and killed by the Aboriginals, or, according to some historians, by convicts. At noon that day, a party of prisoners working on the riverbank at the Morton Bay settlement spotted Captain Logan on horseback on the far side of the river waving to them. None had any doubts about who it was. Two of them downed tools and hastily launched the punt that was used on the ferry people across the river and rode over to pick up their commandment. When they arrived on the south back, the spot where Stimson's ghost had disappeared and the Queensland Performing Arts Complex now stands, there was no sign of Logan. He and his horse had vanished into thin air. At that time, Captain Logan's battered body was growing cold in a shallow grave in the bush, 70 kilometres inland. Residents of Ipswich also lay claim to having seen Logan's ghost in more recent times at the spot where he met his death. There is a small reserve there now, 1.6 kilometres from the junction of Logan's Creek and the Brisbane River. A night or two spent there, if you can stand the mosquitoes, might reward you with a glimpse of the ghost of the fell tyrant. 
The next story revolves around the Brisbane Arcade and Adelaide Street. The Brisbane Arcade is a heritage-listed shopping arcade at 160 Queen Street through to Adelaide Street. It was opened in March of 1924. It was built for a cost of £70,000 for a Dr. James Main and his sister. The facade has a triangular classical pendiments at parapet level above each window bay. These end bays are separated by flanking brick pilasters and have a cantilevered balconies on both levels with wrought iron railings consistent of vertical balustrades. The openings contain timber-framed multi-panel windows and French doors which open onto the balconies. Ornate floral mouldings are situated on the pilasters to either end of the upper level's openings. A deep bracket cornice runs between the base of the pendiments separating the parapet from the remainder of the facade. It is truly a beautiful place. If you ever get the opportunity to visit Brisbane, then please visit this. It's absolutely beautiful. Alternatively, Google these pictures and you will see what I mean. It's just beautiful. I've been for a few high teas at a little Victorian cafe right at the top. And it's just beautiful. Absolutely. The Brisbane Arcade also reputably has a persistent ghost. The old arcade is one of those elegant Victorian earring shopping complexes with anchored lift, flamboyant decoration and iron lace balustrades. There's once a successful millinery shop on the upper level run by a lady who is apparently reluctant to leave, though she has been dead for many years. It is said that her ghost is still sometimes seen dressed in a once fashionable Victorian gown and pacing the balcony at night. Behind the Brisbane Arcade in Adelaide Street, there was once a butcher's shop facing the present-day King's George Square. The shop was there at the turn of the century and for a good many years after, but it is gone today. It was L-shaped, the meat being prepared in one part and the customers served in the other. Legend has it that a butcher and an apprentice got into an argument one day. A meat cleaver was thrown and the apprentice died. Subsequent owners of the shop and customers would occasionally hear the sound of men arguing and struggling, then terrible screams coming up from the back of the shop. There is also the rumour that this butcher was one of the first serial killers of Australia, with lots of his workers and wives going missing, but his abundance of meat never dwindled, and even some of the hardest times. Perhaps this is a tale that has been interwoven with Sweeney Todd, or a very lucky, or unlucky butcher. You decide. The third and short story surrounds the Tawang Cemetery. This 150-year-old cemetery is bound to have been the source of some spooky stories. 
It was established in 1866 and formally opened in 1875. It is Queensland's largest cemetery and is located on 44 hectares of land at the corner of Frederick Street and Mount Cuther Road, approximately four and a half kilometres west of Brisbane. It was previously known as the Brisbane General Cemetery. And although it is still used as a cemetery, it is a popular place for joggers and dog waters, with its overhanging fig trees and winding pathways. The Friends of Tawang Cemetery conduct tours through the cemetery, as well as providing a series of self-guided themed walks through the cemetery. Guided ghost tours are conducted through the grounds of the cemetery on a Friday and Saturday nights. And some of the monuments and gravestones are truly beautiful and artworks in themselves. There is an old tale of two sisters who died in a car accident and they were buried at the top of Spook Hill. Legend has it is if you sit in your car at the bottom of the hill, you will roll forwards instead of backwards as the two girls drag your car up the hill to your inevitable death. Scary. There are also stories of a fox at the cemetery which stares at you and tries to lead you down a dark hill. The young adventurers who spotted this tried to take a photo of the fox, but every picture showed them a dark blurred image in place of the fox. Perhaps this is something that is imprinted itself, or perhaps something that disguises itself as a friendly fox to try and lure visitors to their inevitable deaths. Foxes aren't native or common in Queensland, so this is something that would naturally lure someone in. I don't think that going to a cemetery in the dark is ever a good idea. I know that ghosts can't hurt you, but there are certainly solid things around that can. My last story I'm going to cover is based on the suburb of Hurston, where the Brisbane Royal and Women's Hospital is located. I'm very familiar with this hospital, as it is where I gave birth to my son. I had to visit the hospital for all of my appointments, but I also had a few times where I went into the hospital late at night because I was a first-time mum and I didn't know everything that was going on with my body or my baby at the time. The hospital car park during this time where I attended the hospital was not open from 9pm. So you'd have to park around in the hilly and winding streets around the hospital. I think at the time that I was so focused about getting into the wards that I completely forgot or wasn't aware of any ghostly spectres that could be walking beside me or in fact any solid creepy ones. Just to give a bit of a I don't know, advice warning. I would not advise anyone to walk by themselves at night time. Although I believe that the people who perpetrate crimes are the ones who should stop doing the awful things that they do. But unfortunately, history has taught us that I don't think that, that this is something that's going to ever stop. Royal Brisbane Hospital at Hurston is home to quite a number of spirits, according to the legends and newspaper reports. 
One story relates to a theatre sister who was supposedly murdered many years ago and whose uniformed figure, complete with a stiff triangular veil, has often been seen through the frosted glass windows. Also, a mischievous spirit resides in one ward, which was once a prison ward, pushing the buzzers in the middle of the night and luring nurses into darkened rooms. The best known of the hospital's ghosts is a female figure dressed in white who keeps vigil beside patients' beds. Staff have often been asked by patients to thank the kindly lady who sat with them during the night. Nurses, orderlies, kitchen staff and cleaners have seen her, but most are reluctant to talk about their experiences. No one knows who she is or who she was in life but clearly she brings comfort, not fear, to those who encounter her. Some people also believe that the Adelaide Billings Ward at the adjacent Royal Children's Hospital was haunted by the nurse whom it was named after. Matron Billings was a greatly loved nurse in her time, and after her death, the hospital authorities decided to honour her memory by naming the ward after her. But it seems she was not content to be remembered in name only. According to one male nurse, he found a nurse busy filling a burette from a tap one night. He thought her face was vaguely familiar, but didn't recognize her at the time. The the nurse thought no more about it until he glanced at a photo of Matron Billings hanging in the lobby and the realisation that he'd just seen a ghost struck him. On many other occasions, she was observed touring the ward at night, checking on her tiny patients, stroking their foreheads, tucking in bedclothes and straightening pillows. A few years ago, the Adelaide Billings ward was demolished to make way for new buildings. And hopefully now the tireless matron is having a well-deserved rest. Thank you for listening to my spooky tales of Brisbane. The sources where I got most of my information today was from Wikipedia, from brisbanehistory.com and the Urban List. Thank you for listening to another episode of Macabre for Mortals. If you like this podcast, please subscribe for more content. Please join our Facebook group, Macabre for Mortals podcast. Or if you have any stories you'd like me to cover, then please email them to macabreformortals at gmail.com. Next week, I'm going to be covering the subject of Munchausen syndrome. I hope this has been an interesting episode. See you next time. Bye.